Welcome back. You're listening to Fly Penguins Fly Game Day Podcast, episode 96. I'm your host, Jeff Taylor. I am a huge Pittsburgh Penguins fan, so I created this game day podcast for you, for Penguins fans and for hockey fans all around the world. On the show today, I'm very pleased to say that I got to chat with the always excellent Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Due to scheduling, we recorded our conversation last night, and it was a good one. Please do follow me on Twitter, at PensPod, where lately I've been having some fun doing Twitter spaces, uh, post-game chats, audio chats on Twitter, after some Penguins games. And also, do follow the podcast on Instagram, at FlyPenguinsFly. Subscribe to the FlyPenguinsFly YouTube channel where you can right now go over and watch a video of today's conversation with Jesse Marshall or the one I had a couple days ago with Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. Very special thanks to Ashley Taylor, my multi-talented and time-generous wife, for putting her elite video editing skills to work and helping me get Fly Penguins Fly video content off the ground and flying like a jetpack strapped up, short-feathered, waddling, flightless uh, uh, penguin like the one on my episode artwork. I want to make a bit of an observation right now. For whatever reason, when I'm on the mic and I'm recording and the red light is on and I go to pronounce my own last name, I say it Taylor, Taylor, but I didn't grow up talking like that. So it's some kind of broadcast fear of microphone gods thing. Taylor, that's how you say my last name. You can pronounce that however, pronounce at however you want. All right, there are cross wires, words are getting split in half, and we just don't have the time to go back and, and change them. So the Penguins, your Pittsburgh Penguins, come into tonight's uh, Western Canadian road trip starting gun Opener, not the road trip opener, but the Western Canada run opener versus the Edmonton Oilers uh, on the heels of a big win against the Columbus Blue Jackets, which I will break down with Jesse Marshall in just a moment. So I'll save that. But of course, the the Penguins won six to three, their fourth six goal performance in this young season. The Penguins are four zero and one people beat. Arizona Coyotes 6-2, Sid gets the first goal of the season for the Pens. He also opens the scoring the following game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, getting the first goal of the game. Uh, The Penguins win that one 6-2. Jan Ruda scores in that game as well. I believe he's got two on the season now. Nice start for Jan Ruda, offseason pickup on the third defensive pairing with Pierre-Olivier Joseph currently. Uh, Something else I discussed with Jesse Marshall. So we're going to kind of move on here. And news coming in live from Edmonton, at least uh, in the couple of minutes leading up to me taping this, Michelle Crecciolo of Pins Inside Scoop tweeted just moments before this recording that head coach Mike Sullivan will be going with Tristan Jari between the pipes tonight, uh, that everyone else on the roster will be a game time decision. You know, I've got to work so hard not to read into that, but 
Sully means what he says, so there's no use in reading into it right now, uh, a few hours before game time. And per Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sports, Sam Poulan stayed on the ice well after the team ended their morning skate today in Edmonton, suggesting that it will likely be recent call-up Drake Kajula rather than number 22 Poulan, who will suit up for tonight's game with the Penguins. Speaking after morning skate yesterday, uh, talking about Kajula and Poulan, shortly after the team arrived in Alberta, Drake Kajula uh, and Sam Poulan, both call-ups from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, Coach Mike Sullivan says, quote, they're playing extremely well, they're deserving of the call-up, and that's why they're on their way here right now, end quote. Well, they're there now. They're in, they're in Edmonton. One's in a three-piece suit. The other one is in a Penguins uniform tonight, and that will likely be Kajula. Uh, so tonight's Penguins at Oilers matchup is the first of four Western Canada games the Penguins will take part in on this roadie, followed by Calgary, about 300 Canadian kilometers, uh, apparently they're different than U.S. kilometers, down Route 2, past the city of Red Deer, where I hear they've got some epic hockey. Isn't that where the World Juniors were being held before they got cut short by a COVID outbreak last year. And after Calgary, the Penguins will visit the foundering Canucks in Vancouver. My God, the boos that were raining down on them the other night as they lost to the Sabres. It was just brutal. I had to stay up and listen to uh, 650, a Sportsnet 650 postgame show. Just an awesome postgame show. If you've never stayed up into the wee hours here in the Eastern uh, time zone, to have a little bit of an ASMR experience and just hear a great hockey post-game show, definitely tune in on 650 Sportsnet following any Canucks game and listen to that crew there. They did feature the audio of Bruce uh, Bruce Boudreaux as well as President of Hockey Operations, former Penguins general manager Jim Rutherford. And that was like an episode of Ted Lasso. Highly recommend you look up, I think it's called, is it Scott Oak, After Hours, audio of Jim Rutherford and Brucey Boudreaux following that Sabres at Canucks debacle. It was the home opener for the Canucks and it was just a miserable loss. I'm not even going to go too far down that path right now. Now, they will, the Penguins will visit the Canucks Uh, following the Flames game, which is, of course, after tonight's Edmonton Oilers game. Um, I'd be careful if I were the Penguins not to play down to the Canucks that night. Penguins do have a tendency to do that when a team uh, they're facing off against is struggling. Finally, in making a stop at one of the finest barns in all the hockey world, your Pittsburgh Penguins will do their best to deny, will do their best to deny the good Seattleites of Emerald City, the ever-coveted plush salmon dolls. They get thrown at them when the Kraken win a home game. All right, enough rambling. Let's get into the chat I had with the Athletics' Jesse Marshall. If you're a Penguins fan and you're not already following Jesse on Twitter, definitely go ahead and do that now. He is at jmarshfof. That's jmarshflipofffrank. Enjoy the conversation. And remember that this chat is available on our YouTube channel as well. So, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic, of 
uh, McKean's hockey as well. Can you tell me a little bit about McKean's? I think on your Twitter bio, that's the thing about which I know the least. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. Uh, this is like my first year partnering with them, and their bread and butter uh, is the work that they do on a prospect side. Uh, I think uh, they would agree with me on that statement. You know, draft prep, um, prospect, uh, organizational rankings. Yeah. But they're starting to like really. So it's it's going to be me um, writing about teams that aren't the Penguins for the first time. For I think. On a larger forum, you know, I'm like kind of been Pittsburgh only for my duration of my, I don't know if we can call this a career time doing whatever this is. And uh, sure, sure. so Corey uh, Schneider from uh, all three zones, who's you've probably seen his work before. He's the guy who sits down and meticulously tracks everything that happens in a hockey game and like puts the data out about the micro stats, like zone entries and stuff like that. Corey is also doing it. So it'll be yeah. uh, him and I alternating on and off week after week, kind of like having a more, I would say the nuance to look at what's happening in the world of like systems and play styles um, and more or less like what is the league doing right now on a larger scale. So this week's going to be my first piece for them. And then we're going to look at the the Montreal Canadiens and Martin St. Louis, what's right. happening up there and, and sort of like what he's done uh, to that team and to Cole Caulfield specifically that's got him playing so well. So it's going to be just stuff like that non Pittsburgh really material um, for a, uh, a site that is sort of guy. Um, I think you got you covered uh, for everything from, from prospects onto the style of play stuff. Sure. Yeah. And we certainly saw Cole Caulfield looking super juicy and dangerous in that first frame. It felt like the penguins. Uh, uh, oh wait, I'm, I'm definitely couldn't, Flating, uh, one, is that the right usage of that word? Probably not. One frame, one first frame with another. Uh, but well, no, it wasn't. It was like a couple of days ago. Yeah, I know, it's, but it's not that long ago. <laughs> my my brain just. Uh, I was right there with you. Yeah, and uh, you know that that game against the Habs, they just had the juice, and it seemed like every five seconds, Cole Caulfield had a super high danger chance right from the slot. Um, this is my memory painting it like that, but his name was definitely ringing in my ears when that game was over. He's been haunting uh, a lot of teams. So it's not a, an experience that was unique uh, to the Penguins by any stretch of the imagination. It was, uh, he's, he's, it's a nightly occurrence for him now. And it's, it's speaking of the Penguins, speaking of the Penguins of Pittsburgh, uh, Fair to say you call yourself a Penguins fan or in your role as a journalist, do you kind of have to like hang that up and come back to it when you retire? That's a good question, Jeff. I don't know. Um, I definitely would say that I have the freedom to react more emotionally than other writers do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I probably do that. I think maybe I don't know. Maybe that's like the appeal of me to some people from Pittsburgh, right? Like to like people that live in the city, I think it that I'm about that. I think that it's less yeah. like it's less. Let's put it like this. Like, I don't I don't. I think once you get to a point where you have like been given a like the first time I went in a press box was like 2011. And I think that mm. two, maybe 2012 at that point, like I think 
things start to change, right? Because sure, sure, it's it, the the kayfabe element to it, right? Like that almost like larger than life element is gone, and you like learn that people are human beings with flaws and like you know um they're just living their life as a hockey player you know <laughs> like everybody you know, like but everybody but sid yeah that, that wall comes <laughs> down for, for everybody but him yeah, um right. and then it becomes like a there's a mm, here's what i would tell you if anyone said to me like how do you do this like how did you get in because i did i didn't go to school to be a journalist i was in i went to point park in pittsburgh i was an english major yeah um, very much like self-taught on the writing side from like a journalism perspective, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about the grind, right? It's about being available and writing all the time. And the reason I mentioned that to you, Jeff, is because in that grind and in a constant sort of need to produce content and like it becomes more about that than anything else. Right. So like, when you're watching the game, like you're still experiencing it like everyone else is. You're still going through that process. But at the same time, you're thinking like, what am I going to talk about? Like what's the next thing to discuss? And I don't use narratives. Like that's so like not my thing. I what, don't do you mean? Call, what do you mean? Um, I don't call sources. Um, I don't – I'm not an insider. Like people will text me things and I keep them to myself. I don't, my Twitter account's not a bastion of information. I think the last time I did that was I confirmed that Zach Aston Reese was the unnamed player. Uh, the Bob McKenzie had deleted his tweet and then like I verified that it was Zach Aston Reese. Right. That's the last time I'll do that for like another decade. So what I mean is, is like, I don't, sure, sure. I'm not writing human interest pieces, right? Like here's the story about how hard this player had it in junior and the bus trips. Like I'm very much in on like video and data and that's it. Um, I can hockey. do it's yeah, really I a hockey, told, hockey like, I follow. I don't need to uh, be entrenched with the team on road trips to come up with that information. It's actually harder to do it that way. So, um, sure, sure. So I think that's it. Like, I think for me, it's that sort of like gr- that I don't, there's a, there's a, a monotony to it that that's sort of like, on the content creation side, it zaps you of a bit of your life. <laughs> it's probably the best way to put it. And then like that constant need to create sort of takes the front seat um, and everything else goes to the back. So it's actually hard to enjoy hockey sometimes. Like I, it sounds like I'm complaining, woe is me, you know, like, oh, Josie Marshall is a crybaby. But it, like, I think there is an element to it where you have to like take the joy out, right? And I think like the right. cool thing about the draft and watching junior hockey uh, is that sometimes you could just like you could just check out and watch a game and like yeah I don't know there's a difference so that's uh, really hockey that's really... as a fan is rare I think for me is the point that I would I would drive home okay I'm gonna let that sink in for a second because you know I guess this podcast you know and what I'm doing here is certainly from the fans perspective right I mean as evidenced I'm kind of in my little my little corner here but even even doing this it the closer I get to the game and now playing the game, and that's new for me. I'm 41 years old. I just started playing ice hockey, playing it figuratively speaking, like two years ago and beer league about less than a year ago. And already it's at the point where two or three times putting gear on and laundering it and setting stuff out in the sun to not stink and going back to the rink. It's like, like anything else, you know, I trained martial arts for a while. There were days when you look at your bag and you're like, you know, yeah, she, yeah. When you step onto the ice and you're gliding out there in your gear, yeah, I mean, that's always a pretty good feeling. 
But uh, yeah, it's true. This the is only getting, time this I'll is getting heavy. That though, the only time I'll contest that is if you played the day prior and everything is still like extraordinarily damp. Oh yeah, like I don't like that at all. I um, actually, I actually <laughs> don't think I've even ever fully experienced that. I've had gears still not be totally dry because we had two games in three days or something. But uh, I also wasn't pulling nearly as many minutes as some of the guys on the top top lines I was playing with. I was more the admin GM. Yeah, uh, last liner kind of a trust guy, me though, winger. like Jeff, most of the like people that I've played with in my life um, would also use heavy quotations to describe the word playing for me. Uh, yeah. So those who can't do right about it or teach or whatever. So, you know, sure, here we sure. are, right? Here we yep. are. Um, so Pittsburgh uh, Penguins 4-0-1. We are heading in to play the Edmonton Oilers after a pretty sensational beginning to the regular season. I am deep enough into following the Penguins specifically that just last night on Twitter, after doing a little post-game spaces thing on on the app, someone wrote to me and said, well, do you think that this team is sort of past that they're going to learn from this and no longer have those fall asleep periods? And I said, no, number one, I don't think that. I don't think that that's the case. It's kind of in the DNA of this. It's going to happen again. I, 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 don't mean to be a downer about it, but I that's my answer to the question. And two, you know, what are we? We're 4 0 and 1. So four out of five games, you're probably better at arithmetic than I am. But if you take 82 games and divide it by five and say we're going to win um, 80% of them, I would say that is not correct. Yeah. We're, we're not going to go at this rate. It's We're going to have our four or five game losing streak at some point. There's going to be a period of time where Gino's. Not going to score six goals in every victory either right uh, yeah. i don't think that's gonna last <laughs> this is power. crazy what's been happening but look it only took one team playing pretty well and us not being totally on our i say us the pittsburgh penguins not being totally on their their stuff to uh have trouble scoring two goals against an atlantic division opponent like the like the habs yeah so so first of all i agree with you um you know this is a team that has been around the block. Um, the core has been together for almost long enough to drive a car uh, or excuse me, vote, excuse me, in an election. Sure. Um, you know, you're going to have situations, I think, um, especially against, you know, potentially perceived inferior opponents where they don't, um, it makes it sound bad. You know, I don't want to make it sound like they're sandbagging, you know what I mean? But they know the difference between, you know, a game in April uh, in a game on a Tuesday in November, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the, the amount of lay it on the line and put your body out there and sacrifice a bone uh, to block a shot um, is a lot greater in April than it is in November. So to, the, to that extent, you know, I think you'll see the team. Uh, I said on Twitter, you know, I think last night that the ability for them to flip the switch is even more remarkable this year than it's been in years past. And it's been pretty remarkable in years past. And last night, um, yeah. you know, last night being um Saturday, today's Sunday. I am revealing um, to my audience that we're taping this perfect. The night before. Yeah, I got yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was it was a perfect example uh with Columbus just absolutely taking advantage of some monumental mistakes. I mean, Chris Letang was just head in the clouds at the start of that one, and then all of a sudden, um things get rolling, the four check gets rolling. And I think the switch, the, the, the switch. Yeah, it, it flips. And I think the thing I would say to people, Jeff, is like, you know, this four check makes you see ghosts, right? And you've started to play hockey and you'll understand this. 
you know, it's that feeling of pressure that you have that even if it doesn't, you know, if, if, and I paint a picture for people who don't play and I, you know, we granted a very low level, but the idea here is yeah. if you have someone breathing down your neck and, and, you know, whacking a stick on your legs and haunting you all sometimes that, long, that's, that's all it takes. But even when they're not there later on, you feel it, right. Yeah. You're starting to see ghosts now. And like, you're starting to feel pressure that doesn't exist and you're not making uh, you ref, Mike call, Mike Sullivan calls them hope plays. Mm. I hope someone is going to get this puck. I just want to get rid of it, and I hope someone's going to go get it. Right? Uh, yeah. That's what puts you in trouble. And the Penguins, I think, have shown uh, that they can make teams see ghosts like that. They can they can have them second guessing themselves and turning pucks over. Um, yeah. Their neutral zone presence has just been, I think, really the strongest part of their game. Um, you know, you don't want to form bad habits and then consistently dig your way out of them. That's no way to live. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's a good, it's a good sign to know that, you know, they've been able to, to turn it on and, 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 and frankly, let's be honest, they, for the most part mm. have played more good hockey than they played bad hockey, right? Uh, the bad hockey has just been extremely, extraordinarily noticeable, um, cause it's been bad. It's been really bad, but those periods are brief. So if only they, as long as they stay brief, I'm not. I'm not super concerned. Um, you know, again, it's just an old veteran team that knows uh, what it's doing. Right. And, and even after Latang's whoppers, you know, in that first frame, those big giveaways, although I would like to return to the one where he was kind of down in the corner trying to evade a uh, CBJ player and kind of no looked at shallow angle off the boards. Yeah, yeah. Figured Brian Russ would be heading back the toward, the, toward the point along the boards. It's always the, th the thrower. It's never the catcher. But, you know, number one, it was the first period in a very early season game. Number two, I can understand where he might have thought Brian is coming around, you know, cutting an angle and he's going to head up toward. Now, remind, if can you remember, was that a power play situation? It was, I, yeah. It was so... And I think, and that's kind of the shape I, you would expect your teammate to well, take, I think right? Latang, in that specific instance, had two problems. The first one is he didn't look, he didn't pick his head up, and he had the uh, ankle yeah. wrong. But the second was he misjudged how much snow there was. Oh. I don't think that he was, knew the puck was going to play the way that it did. Right. And if you notice, like how long Roslevic had to just get out there, that thing died in the neutral zone. Like mm. it, it had. The, it didn't have English on it, right? It wasn't er, ergo the snow, right? Like I think he misjudged it, and it it just didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. Um, Roslovic had time to go grab it because uh, it was it died. So that's not an excuse. I mean, you got to look, like you got to pick your head up, right? Like you can't. We just talked about hope plays a second ago. Um, I, I that wasn't a hope play to me. It was just just lazy right you think, it was just like you think the like, cbj the cbj ice crew lifted their blades when they got into the columbus zone no i think they were, just, <laughs> yeah yeah no, right they're Do like they looking have, i don't know if columbus has an ice crew because i guess everybody does now that's but, that might be the crux of this conversation is maybe yeah is, is, but, is yeah i hear um, it's a i hear it's a great barn to watch hockey and i've actually never been myself yeah it's i mean it's it is i love the canon uh the, the columbus fans up there are like loud um, you, you mean the, the you mean people. the Penguins? Fans? They always fill it up, yeah. But like, I go back to the playoff series, like 2013, 14, somewhere around there. Uh, the Dubinsky yeah. series, right? Um, 
that place was full of people from Columbus. Uh, yeah. When that team's good, um, it's normally a full barn. So it's a good, it's a good, it's a good hockey town. Um, um, that's that's got quite the atmosphere when in uh, all systems you go there. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I, oh no, go, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. It was really tangential. So it was mine. Well, okay, then I'll and I'll go. It's my podcast, right? That's yes, exactly. Um, so um, I'm new in Pittsburgh. Ashley and I are new in Pittsburgh, and I'm finally starting to feel settled in, skating a couple times a week, doing my Penguins podcast, and I'm a musician by trade, so I spend a lot of my time over here at my rig recording and, and writing. What am I missing in this town? What are some of your favorite go-tos? Like, what's a great restaurant? I'm the former king. I'm the former king of the Strip District. Um, Mm. I love the Strip. It's my favorite part of the city. Uh, There are any number of places to go eat down there. I love uh, Luke Woolley's place. Mm. Um, So Woolley's, there's multiple Woolley's locations. There's the the actual Woolley's market, uh, Woolley's fish market in the Strip. Uh, yeah. Robert Woolley, the owner, is a very eccentric man. If you get on there in the summer, you may catch him out on the sidewalk speaking to people through a lobster megaphone, uh, trying <laughs> oh, to get wow. them to come in and eat at his restaurant. Um, it's just it's the food is unbelievable. They have a, a junior cod combo. The fries there are unbelievable. They have a junior cod combo. Oh, that's my cheap. that's my wheelhouse. But it might be you and me duo because Ashley's not as much into the seafood. But okay, yeah. Well, my wife's coming, to, so she's she is. So all right. Well, we'll bring <laughs> we'll bring Ashley, like but we'll yeah, send we'll send her yeah. out for dessert while we're eating our yeah. Um, I, people like Rollins. I'm cool with it. I don't hate Rollins. The lobster roll is is there is good. Um, it's not like if you've had like a like a northeastern lobster roll and then you come yeah. and have the one at Rollins there is a distinct difference like I want to be yeah. very clear um I I will tell you this people were very passionate about this next subject okay um, here we go I like DeLuca's I I'll line up there um you know pretty much at any time um like a diner vibe kind of like a breakfast spot correct yeah so there's there's really two of them um right there's DeLuca's and then there's Pamela's um, and it's, it's sort of like you like one or the other, I think. Right. I gotta um, say my buddy who, my buddy, Ricky, who, uh, great musician lives over in Mexican war streets area. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. He brought me over to Lincoln P and G. It's like a, it's a sister diner or it's, it's an OG place that's been there for a long time. Link Lincoln's Lincoln P and G something or other. It's over by the attic record store. Um, and then there's Pamela's, the greater Pamela's chain. That's like what, one or two, three locations, something like that. Yeah. The Penn Avenue one is the, is, uh, you know, okay. the one that goes head to head with DeLuca's. So now when you said former King, right, as somebody who lived in Brooklyn for over a decade and then I Jersey- don't work in the strip anymore. I used to, I used to work in the strip. So I was actually like in the heart of the strip district on Penn Avenue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, every yeah. day for six years. Um, I still right to on. this day maintain that if you want to be economical yeah. and you want to like not have to fight your way out of the city um, and you yeah. are like not opposed to walking a brief distance, yep. the strip is still, the, I think, right next to the Greyhound station-ish. Um, oh, yeah. Un- underneath the bypass for 279 is still the best place to park to go to the Penguin game. Um, right on. Yeah, I think oh. so. Because it's super, it's free, first of all, for most lots. Um, you do have to walk from the, like Penn Avenue up to the arena, but it's safe. You go yeah. past the Greyhound station. It's not like you're not going through like a bad area. Yeah. Um, and then like when you get back to your car afterwards, you just 
there's any number of like, no matter which direction you're heading, right. You can get, there's, there's places that are open. Well, no, like, well, yeah. So that if you want to stay out and keep the night going, you can do that. But then like, if you're going to 79, 65, like right. whatever right way there. home you're, you have a, a direct connection practically. Right. You yeah. can jump on the bypass, get on the tunnel. Uh, and then there's no traffic because everybody's up fighting with each other up by the arena. So well, we'll tangentially, have to, uh... tangentially <laughs> that's my, that's my tip for anyone that's going to a game and wants to find a nice, easy way to park. That's go to the strip. Right on. Okay. Well, we'll have to uh, hit, the, hit that together sometime, get out there, there and, and grab, grab, a, grab a round. Um, all right. Well, getting back to maybe uh, the game, the upcoming game versus the Oilers. So they get shut out by St. Louis the other night. The Oilers are 2-3-0 coming into this game. Obviously, the Penguins with a slightly better record right now. The way the Oilers are built and the way that you've seen them playing to whatever extent that you've caught any of their action or what you've heard, what do you think uh, the Penguins need to keep in mind? Obviously, these call-ups of uh, Drake Kajula, Sam Poulan, do we expect to see with Jake Gensel out, um, although back on skates today, I understand, which is great <laughs> news, uh, today being Sunday, uh, what do you see for the Penguins going into this one as far as what they need to look out for? Do you think the Edmonton Oilers stand a good chance to kind of unseat these uh, these high-flying pens right now as they as they did to us last year? Yeah, so it's about McDavid, right? Uh, on fire, as always, right? Uh, juggled one down last night, uh, highlight reel style. Oh, I saw um, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and scored. Edmonton's problem is in transition right now, to be frank with you. Um, mm. You know, Cody Cece, who, you know, had his renaissance in Pittsburgh. He sure um, did. And then had a uh, even another second renaissance in Edmonton. Um, has been tested there and not in a good way. Um, a lot of two-on-ones, a lot of odd man rushes. Sort of like the same, I think, you know, want to need to play offense for Edmonton. Has sort of like dominated their game and sometimes makes them vulnerable. Yeah. To certain things. So um, that for me is important because the Penguins best, I think where they've been their best um, this year is what's allowed them to feast the way they have offensively is their play between the blue lines and the neutral zone. It's been very tidy um, for the most part, you know, barring yeah. some um, hiccups as we know, but for the most part, it's been tidy business and players like Dan Heinen yeah. and um, guys of that ilk, Brock McGinn have been very good there and they've been generating a lot of turnovers I think the bottom six has especially been really stingy between those blue lines. So if Edmonton's not careful um, and if they want to, you know, get North recklessly and, and play with yeah. a little bit too much offensive swagger, they'll, they'll be dealing with more of the same with regards to the odd man rushes. And frankly, they don't have the level of goaltending required to, to be able to stave that kind of stuff off. So um, they can score a lot of goals, but uh, you know, look at the end of the day, I mean, I think that, um, they're a team that, I, that anyway, frankly, Jeff, I think it just strikes me as a team that would, would benefit from a playing one style of play. Um, but it doesn't, you know, you know, we don't, we don't really see a lot of that from them. So, um, it's going to be, a, I mean, I, I do think it's going to produce a lot of really good back and forth hockey. I just, I think the penguins discipline in the neutral zone is what gives them the edge in this one, frankly. I hope so because getting caught out of position is what I remember from, I think the first Penn's Oilers matchup last year and then yeah, and, and David and dry and then just taking advantage. It was like, we got, we got run out of the barn. You know, you have to have that quick, you know, that, that ability to handle the transition from offense to defense, right? That quick pivot ability to keep your legs moving, got to keep churning, get those hips turned. And I think like last year, especially it was really difficult on Brian Dumoulin 
Um, he, just, yeah. I think, coming back from injury was not too kind for him. I think he's been fantastic so far this year. Yeah, it was just little stuff like that, right? Where like Edmonton and physical. I feel like he's played nice and physical. Yeah, I think the left. whole decor. It's actually true of them this year. Is the whole the whole defensive core has been very physical. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing with Edmonton is you got to keep the legs moving. If you don't, they're they're going to make you look stupid. They're so fast. Uh, that if you if you're not churning all the time and you're not keeping your gap the appropriate gap in front of them, um, yeah, you know, they can make you pay for it. That's something else I got to start to learn more about. Not that I'm a defenseman, but still, I guess as an offensive, as a defensive winger in that sense who can't skate very fast, that's something I've been trying to learn more now. Is not to this may be the wrong usage of terms by, but pinch too far into the offensive zone since I'm not as fast. Maybe hang a little closer to the blue line. Uh, top of the circle, somewhere in between there. Penguins don't have that problem. We're talking about NHL caliber players. But uh, you know what? This is this is great. And it's also a little later on a Sunday. There's still a lot of hockey uh, probably still going on. I'm not looking at my calendar. But a uh, couple interesting call-ups. Jake Gensel not on the ice. Chad Ruedel traveling with the team. And the only other thing I'll mention is that I, before we maybe let each other go here, is just that Tristan Jari... To start this season uh, has been such a, an amazing player to watch in so many ways. I have always said that I think with this core of player, right, this group of guys, you really only need to be average in goal. That's it. That's all the Penguins really require is average. And he's just so far over that right now. And like yeah. we're, we're flirting. Grant, like, okay, sample size, right? Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, like, right. he was very good last year. And last year was like that opportunity where I feel like if he had gone into the playoffs and put oh, forth, you know, his his best foot, you shake those demons off, you you get rid of the the criticism. I think people even today, Jeff, tweet me and say like, I want to enjoy this, but that Islanders series, you know, I'm like, I respect sure. that, you know, I do. Sure. But at the same time, like you're missing out on some great stuff right now. I guess what I would get at is is that yep. this is just a continuation of what he did last year and is another step forward for him. Yeah. Um, I do think long-term, this is your starting goaltender. Yeah. Like period. Like he's proven it. It's his net. Yeah. Uh, I, I question what it looks like, Jeff, when the consistency piece is there, you have a full year of it. Like what is his actual ceiling? Like where does this train stop? Right. Cause he's still young. We're not talking about a guy who's 30 years old. He, he kind of still seems like he's getting better. Right. To like, me. I think that there's a lot of maturation that's coming around to his game. And have Which, you have you noticed the salt? Like, who was it? Brendan Lemieux got. Did you see it, him kind of like almost sort of standing go, up for go himself Hextall? a little bit? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I, standing up for for Jake Gensel for himself, but a little bit for the team in a way. Crease. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yes. I think that, uh, and that, that worries me. It does. It, it encourages me, but it worries me physically because we've already seen a few times in the first few games where, where he's taken a couple seconds to get up because he gets taken advantage of by a guy yeah. flying into the crease. I, I, I derailed something you were saying. I'm sorry. I got no, excited. I just, no, you're not needed. I, I think that the criticism from him of him going back to that Islander series was he doesn't care, right? Like oh. he, he doesn't care. He made that huge mistake and didn't have this big enough, you know, uh, 
apologetic comeuppance for it, you know? Sure. And, and, and I don't know, maybe he had to grow, maybe he had to learn, maybe there's stuff that's happened between now and then that changed, but I don't think you can accuse him of that now is what I'm saying. Right. And I think that again, we're talking about play that's flirting with the word elite, right? Anytime that you can say that of your goalie is great. Um, I think if the consistency piece is there, um, that I, I, again, I, I look forward to him potentially getting the opportunity mm. uh, to rewrite his script in the postseason and tell a different story of what he's capable there. Uh, this is a guy who won a Memorial Cup. Yeah. He's not a stranger uh, to playing in high-pressure situations, uh, and I believe uh, that he's got more to give and more to show than he did uh, in, his, in his one brief outing. So, sure. um, yeah, no, it's a great call-out because uh, I got to be frank. Like, we kind of have said it already, Jeff, but, like, this whole defense is great. Like the 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 Latang Dumoulin magic is back seemingly. Yeah. Um, the second, you know, Marcus Pedersen has been otherworldly. I think, and I think Jeff Petrie's been great. I I feel like the presence of Jeff Petrie has enhanced Marcus Pedersen. As it's like he looked. I agree with you hundred percent. He looked to his side, meets this guy, is inspired by him. I I think Marcus Pedersen has played an inspired game at a lot of times, but this year he came back looking like he knew he needed to get to work. And he seems to be having fun playing with, with 26. That's my The that's crow my that take. I'm eating here is that I thought the presence of Jeff Petrie would mean that we would see less of Marcus Pedersen carrying the puck, which we mm. didn't see a lot of to begin with. <laughs> uh, right. But that's been the opposite. I think it's actually been a, 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 like a, a symbiosis there and a partnership where it's not just one guy carrying the load. And we've seen Pedersen get up in the play, pinch yeah. a little bit, like take shots. Um, it's so, and then the third pairing, uh, POJ has been great, right? Um, and uh, John Ruda has been phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I've of course I've noticed Ruda from the more armchair fans' perspective in that sense because he's been scoring, and I haven't noticed POJ. But then a little light goes off in my head that says you read a tweet somewhere or somebody told you on the bench. If you don't notice a defenseman, sometimes that can be fantastic because God knows yeah. if, if, if POJ. Can I, can, I, can I speak to that adage? Please. I used to say the same thing. I used to say like 18, 19 year old Jesse would tell you that if, if you didn't notice a defenseman and you didn't talk about him, that's the highest compliment you can give us. <laughs> I think in 2022, that's not true anymore. Yeah. I think that adage now only means that the defenseman didn't make a mistake, like a glaring error sure. that led to something bad because you need to notice your defenseman. They need to be involved with what's happening offensively. This, like this is a world now where almost every team is running an offensive style of play where a defenseman is a fourth forward, right? Mm-hmm. And they're active and they're getting up ice. They're pinching in, they're activating. That's a requirement. The Kale, so the Kale would, McCarr effect. And I think that the old adage of you don't want to notice your defenseman is no longer holds for that because now it's almost a requisite that they be able to do that stuff. I'm going off on a tangent here. No, you're not. uh, It's, it's, but I think that's the game has changed to that level. Yeah. That like now you need your defenseman to be participating in what's going on in the offensive zone. So for me, it I still don't want to notice them in the, but I don't want to notice them defensively. How about that? That's the way that's think that's the way it works now is you just don't want to notice them in the defensive zone. And with the dialogue that has gone on, and I'm sure will continue to some extent 
on the on the heels of following the salary cap issues leading into that first that home opener game where we see Ty Smith and Mark Friedman go down, it seemed fairly unanimous among uh, the set you roll with the journalism crew. Uh, <laughs> my God, it's I'm 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 getting over a cold. Uh, that that Ty Smith was quote the guy, yeah, and would have been dressed hadn't uh, the salary cap uh, been so much a factor. That said, if now taking for granted that that is the case, not hearing about POJ on that third pairing when there are some luminous players scoring goals, we got a Petrie goal, at least one, at least two Ruta goals. Uh, no Dumoulin. We have a Latangle. We have a Latangle early mm-hmm. in this season, right? Mm-hmm. So not not bad. A handful of goals from your from your decor. I don't need to hear that much about POJ right now. I feel like I'd be hearing a lot if he sucked. Yeah, and I think he's been good. I think so. So as an exception yeah. is what I'm saying to the changing of the old adage. This is an exception to the changing of the adage, maybe for the moment. Well, I think it's too probably like a, a, like how much of a grain of salt you take the preseason with, right? And that's no insult to Ty Smith, right? He, he I, I thought, did play really well in the preseason. I think the point that I'm trying to make is, yeah. I think a lot of people were like, "Well, we've seen enough from POJ, right? Mm. Yeah, okay. He's had this, he's had a disastrous game in the preseason. He had this blow up. He turned the puck over. Blah blah. blah. I just, I, I, I think that in that deployment, that that the the pairing, uh that that line that pairing exists as yeah. the minutes it gets the the quality competition the offensive zone faceoffs the the friendly deployment um it's great for rehabilitating people mm. um and i think this that's i think what you're seeing right now is pierre olivier joseph just feasting on a level of competition that he is better than on most nights right um, on. with a defending partner and jan rudo is very competent and played alongside victor hedman Right, you're like, getting me now. You're like, getting me excited. You know I mean? like, so you're I just think it, I think it. Yeah, I think it's it's a natural place for a defenseman to go to recenter, right, and find north again. Mm. Um, and I think I think eventually when people get hurt and, and they will, things will get shuttled uh, shuttled around, and Ty Smith will be in that spot. Mm. Right, his and his, and and then we'll have POJ and playing, Ty Smith right playing and, WBS hockey, <laughs> crushing it. Having these amazing memories. Well, of no, this. I think they'll have them both up at the same time. Oh, oh, right what I'm on. saying is like other people get hurt, right? You'll have to bring up Ty Smith and POJ. Sure. Potentially. And then Ty Smith gets that deployment and then he gets his, you know, I, I just think that, that that specific deployment is just so helpful to a defenseman. Um, guys mm. are going to get hurt. We're going to need Ty Smith later this year. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, putting him in that spot may have a similar effect. So. And I wonder, this will be one of my closing thoughts, I suppose. Uh, I wonder how much or to what extent this season, is it because I'm living here in Pittsburgh and got a chance to go to a couple days of camp and get closer to the organization in that way and see things with my own eyes? Or is it that this year we have a better idea, both as a fan base and I'm hearing more about it in articles I'm reading regarding some ready-to-go talent in WBS for the first time in a handful of years where we're going to see it almost more like a revolving door. That's not just because this player, that player is head and shoulders above this player who's in WBS, but you know what? 
I want to give these guys a few games. And I guess you do see that on a season-to-season basis, don't you? You'll see a couple of call-ups, and you'll see somebody in the press box. Not for no reason, certainly. Mike Sullivan does things intentionally. He puts the team on the ice. that gives them the best chance to win and all that. But do you think this season, more than others, that WBS, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, uh, is the holder of more NHL-ready talent than it has been for a few years? I think so. I mean, like, the fact that Sam Poulin's up, Right. Is a good testament to that. And and I like, you know, uh, I I wonder what the ceiling for some, you know, the the good thing is, is that you use the term revolving door. There are there are warm bodies down there that can come up and immediately step into the lineup should something happen. Yeah. And not, you know, hopefully we'll find out, you know, with some of these debuts. But um, with Drake Shizula, you know, you know what you're going to get. Right. Uh, with Sam Poulin, you think you know what you're going to get. Drew O'Connor, you know what you're going to get, right? Yeah. Um, so these oh, my are gosh. That are, totally forgot about Drew O'Connor, who's from the, one na- just, the neighboring know. town that I grew up in. He's from ah, Chatham. I'm from a neighboring town from there. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, you know, there's not – I would say there's not a lot of home runs, right? There's not a lot of, like, quad sure. A, you know, blue chip prospects down there. Yeah. Um, but there's – you can work with it, right? There's stuff to, that stuff to make um, patch up holes and – um, you know, um, get a little something out of, you know, I always say like, there's a, an unquantifiable adrenaline burst that comes from a young player being inserted into the lineup for the first time. Come they're on. Just, I like, mean, that's... You know, they're operating on, you know, um, diesel fuel from, uh, being called up like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think they have those guys, um, you gotta have them. Depth's really important. Um, sure. yeah. And I, I'm, I'm pretty confident with what the, what the penguins are rolling with there. Awesome. Well, Jesse Marshall, Jesse, nice to have you on the show. Uh, For those out there listening who are not already, and I can't imagine anyone following this show who's not already following you on Twitter, but I will just say it is at J Marsh F O F. Yes. And, um, you know, Jesse Marshall of the athletic Pittsburgh area guy, but also involved in McKean's hockey and some uh, very interesting stuff regarding prospects and uh, junior hockey. So look forward to I'll have to check out the yearbook. That's something I've been meaning to do that you, you would oh, post. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's an excellent tool. Yeah. Really. So really I got to be a part of it. Looking forward to continue to follow you throughout the season. I hope that you will come back and do, uh, do another chat with me in the future. Anytime. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Okay. What a blast that was sitting down with Jesse Marshall, somebody I've followed for a long time and got to finally meet and talk hockey with. That is going to wrap things up for me here on today's episode of Fly Penguins Fly, game day podcast. Follow me on Twitter at PensPod, on Instagram at Fly Penguins Fly. Remember, if you've got a friend who needs to know about this podcast, please tell them about it. The more black and gold in the house, the better. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube page, Fly Penguins Fly, where you can watch the video of my chat with Jesse Marshall, as well as the one I did a couple days ago with Hunter Hodes. There will also be video content coming. Uh, We did film the chat with Rob Rossi and Josh Yoey a week or two ago, day of the home opener. All right, Penguins fans, you can watch tonight's home game versus the Edmonton Oilers live from Rogers Place in Edmonton, Alberta Province, Canada on AT&TSN in the Pittsburgh area, NHL Network, elsewhere in the U.S., and as longtime listeners well know, one of my favorite ways to tune in is via terrestrial radio or on the web 
at 105.9 VXFM. Enjoy tonight's game versus McJesus and his greased-up oily boys. And of course, let's go Pens! 